welcome aboard the soul train welcome to thirsty so damn thirsty thursday for those of you that are tuning in for the first time we'll give you a little rundown how this works here this is the show where myself and uh two other of my very close friends we take an evening to uh to just hang out and have a conversation with someone that uh you know from the from the community so Tonight, we have an extra special guest. We have Mr. Jay Laveau, also known as Aldo, who is a very close friend of ours. Aldo, welcome to another part two of Thirsty Thursday. How are you, sir? Part two, that's right. I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Aldo's coming to us from Southern California, like real, real Southern California. Uh, we're We're not talking about LA. We're talking about like own the border type of uh, Southern California and actually in uh, uh, agricultural County down there. So, uh, you know, a little different thing, a little different, uh, what, what people would consider California. They think the hustle and bustle and the chaos of LA or San Diego or something like that. And he's like, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm in, I'm in kind of a rural area. So a little different perspective, something you don't necessarily see. And, uh, you know, here, I will, I will go ahead and throw this out there too, is that for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, um, uh, and you're interested in this kind of thing, uh, and you and you would like to be a part of the show. You can head over to thegrassfactor.tv and uh, make a make a submission there, and uh, you can come come hang out too. We are equal opportunity haters here. We don't hate just one person; we hate everyone equally, and uh, and that is how we get through the day. Uh, in fact, if it wasn't for all the uh, the hate that we put out there, then Hell I would say yeah. we would be miserable people. But this is our outlet to come in and talk shit and be absolutely horrifically, horrifically crass people. And, uh, and so we can get about our day. I am but, totally teasing. That is a giant joke, by the way. But you know what, though, man? You know what? And I learned this in the pre-show. I really did. It cemented my conviction in this belief that thick thighs and Texas cheese fries save lives. Amen. Two for 25 at Chili's. Link's in the description below. And there you go. And if you would like to support the show, you can check out the links in the description below uh, and uh, sign up for uh, our new Chili subscription. Uh, it's a it's a four for $25, and you get to assign it to your favorite body part of choice and uh, get to experience that flavor for the rest of eternity. You know, you know. Uh, Where else do you get that Chili's. kind of deal? Chili's actually wrote to us and they were so enamored with our burn return episode entitled couple of nipples and toes for dinner that they said, yep, this is it guys. This is our foray into YouTube. So coming to you live, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. Ray, was there any way, shape or form that you, with any fiber of your being that you would step foot into a Chili's and entertain the thought of eating there? Sure. I've done it before. Really? I've done really? It. I've done it. That I mean, strikes yeah, me I, as very odd. No, you see. I'm serious. I'm shocked thing. right now. Here's here's the thing, uh, Ryan. The truth about me is, is that I will literally eat anywhere as long as that place has a passable steak and a baked potato. <laughs> you got to no, be I'm careful serious. how you I'm use the sure. word. You got to be careful how you simple use the man. word passable today. He's a simple man. You got to be careful about how you use the word passable in these times. Yeah, right? Anywhere or anyone, as long as they have a passable steak and a baked potato, as a matter of fact. Yeah. That's right, Matt. I mean, well, I mean, and uh, 
Like, that's damn like right. I said, we've got we've got a we've got a, a food industry veteran here in Aldo. So you know, I'm seriously. Uh, I thought I would ask that question in the pre-show. And again, the the only way you can jump on there is on the Twitch, but also from uh, the Patreon. So check that out for sure. Hell so listen. Yeah. What you may or may not know if you're tuning in tonight is that Aldo was really technically our very first Thirsty Thursday guest ever. Over over a year ago, mm-hmm. I think, or about a year ago, something like first. that. The very first. So we did some like Numero I don't uno. Know what you call them, <laughs> pilots. Numero we uno. did some different. We did some different incarnations <laughs> of like trying to figure out how to make this whole thing work with mm-hmm. you know uh, three absolute shitbag crazy grass people talking to each other on a computer <laughs> and it turned out that we thought that you know Aldo was the, was going to be the one he was the special one and you know as good as we did on that first one gentlemen what do we always say the second time is always better than the first so let's enjoy this tonight you know as we continue to consummate this relationship in public anyway uh and uh you know hopefully solve some of these issues because our man Aldo has been busy very, very busy. If you have not followed along, checked in, or seen what he is doing, if you follow him around uh, some of our our discords on the interweb and whatnot, he's got a lot of shit going on. So let's dive into that first. You know, okay, you showed us last year, and dude, listen, the lawn was banging. So you're one of those people. You're like consider you to be the Ryan Nord level masochist that has a perfectly good looking <laughs> lawn and says, you know what? making me freaked out a little bit i'm a little uncomfortable i'm gonna go ahead and just fucking kill this entire thing and start over so <laughs> take us through sort of the mindset in the uh, mental strategy and gymnastics it took and maybe also some of the uh political capital that you had to expend at home to make that all happen so yeah um the the last time i was here on the show was uh, around this time of last year and i was barely like kicking off the season right um everything went well everything went to plan i kind of had a plan dialed in for the year as of you know that time that i was in the show um season went well may went well looked nice and green june july Uh, really i i learned very quickly that um i i I hit the ceiling on it you know i i I capped out on on how good it was gonna look so then um I, i i said this isn't good enough yeah, I legit was just like, nah, dude, I want something better. Um, I want, I'm trying to take this to the next level. I don't know how long this Bermuda that I've had has been there since, like, I don't know, it could have been here since it, the house was built in the 70s. So um, I said, all right, let's let's send it. Let, let's do it. Um, consulting with, you know, with Ray and, and, and Ryan and Matt and stuff like that. And uh, just doing a lot of reading and research about the kind of uh, of journey that this is going to turn out to be. Um, you know, I was prepared. I had nothing but time. Um, you know, I, uh, I it just came to me and I just said, let's do it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Kudos. And I'm glad someone has the energy to tackle these types of things, because when <laughs> I think about the project, um, um, the, the scope of work that you're undergoing there, I'm just I'm like, boy, it, it makes me tired just looking at it, just, just thinking of all the steps involved. I just get really tired. And uh, so I'm glad you opted to do this for our entertainment uh, because I do get to live vicariously through as you undergo it and, uh, and, you know, hopefully point you in somewhat correct directions if you feel like you're at a roadblock, but 
The problem is, is that occasionally from time to time, when I see a message come across, you know, I'm two or three cocktails in and, uh, and I, I just vomit things out of my mouth that are not well thought out. And, uh, so I hope that never causes any problems. So you felt like you hit the ceiling and so what, what was your, what was your thought process in determining which direction you were going to go? Right. Like, I assume, you know, you had to decide on a grass type cultivar, uh, vegetative growth, seeding, you know, where, where, where were you at on all this? I think I was at the point where like, <clears throat> you know, I had the time to figure that out. It, it, what I was going to end up with, I didn't have to decide on necessarily at the time of like starting the project. It was a matter of like making sure that Bermuda gets killed or at least set back enough way before it gets a chance to try to reemerge itself, which, you know, mm -hmm. we'll talk about that later. Um, it was just a matter of like, okay, well, let's kill it off first. It's going to take, it's, it's going to be a process. You know, I started doing this in the middle of August. So this is, you know, we're in peak growing growth potential. Um, decided to go out, started killing it. And then I was like, well, as soon as this is done, um, we're going to have to go out with like ryegrass for the winter season, at least. So, um, for two reasons. One, I don't want bare ground, kind of like a cover crop kind of situation there. Um, also, uh, that has, uh, it's been known to like set back the green up if you uh, don't kill ryegrass off early enough. Uh, on Bermuda, if you do one overseed, you know, that's another topic for discussion, but wanted to utilize hey, whoa, 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 the ryegrass. Whoa, Go ahead. whoa, 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 I, I, I think this is, this is worth exploring here. And the the reason why is uh, I, I get a lot of uh, feedback this year from people that are transitioning uh, cool season grass back over to warm season grass. And you'll see a lot of the old wives tale of, you know, let the heat take care of it. Let the heat take care of it. Let the heat take um, care of it. Let the heat take care of it. And in in <laughs> my experience, um, and and tell me if you have ever experienced this before. If you haven't, don't worry about it. And if you decided to just you know um, uh, not take that risk, have you ever had to deal with allelepathy before? No. Um, the only two times I ever really, I've only done an overseed twice, and that mm -hmm. was on my own property here where I am. Once in the backyard two years ago, and then last year. Uh, in okay. a much larger scale, at least maybe about three times the size uh, this year. Um, and all, e both times um, I had eradicated the rye before Mew season started. Sure. So I never had to actually have to deal with like, oh man, like rye still hanging in there. The Bermuda's like kind of creeping back up kind of thing. No, never mm -hmm. had to. And, I, and, and even when you say, when you bring up, um, let the heat take care of it, right? I could probably get away with doing that where I am because it gets so hot. There's no way that this ryegrass can survive past, I don't know, June, let's say. Sure. Yeah. 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 Where, you know, I don't think it may be the best. I mean, again, you could, you know, just spray it out as, as you know, the normal practices. Right. But I think um, I live in a climate to where I can possibly get away with eventually you're just going to die on its own. So for, for those of you playing along at home, when I say allelepathy, uh, perennial ryegrass, ryegrass in general, is known to um, emit uh, various toxins as a survival mechanism to um, either eliminate or at least cause stress or harm to plants around it. 
uh, in an effort to survive whatever stress it's undergoing, right? And typically, it is a, a stress response that you know starts the the admitting of of these uh, uh, tox. I hate using the word toxins, chemicals. We'll, we'll say chemical in this scenario. And and so that's why you'll you'll hear especially you know Ryan Ray and myself that uh, and I come from the school of thought of why waste the herbicide on it uh you know burn it out you know go hit it with a pound of urea yeah. and and you know it'll smoke it out especially when it's 90 92 95 degrees outside it doesn't stand a chance unfortunately what has happened fortunately unfortunately as the ryegrass genetics have improved substantially over the last 20 years it's it, you're not even dealing with the same turf grass anymore um, they are, have become so hybridized, so incredibly well-bred that they're tolerating more and more and more of what they not used to be able to. And so what happens is, and this is something I experienced here in, and it was actually in Knoxville for the first time that I, I experienced this, um, was even though it was 90 degrees outside, even though they were fertilizing with a pound of nitrogen a week in an effort to burn this out. Here we were in July, and every time it rained, uh, you know, 20%, 25% of the ryegrass was still greening up. And the problem was is that only 20%, 25% of the Bermuda grass was greened up too. And so it was this horrific uh, uh, green-up process that here you are in July. You've got barely any green Bermuda. You've got uh, a, a way too much green perennial ryegrass that's super dark green because you're hammering it with all the end and it's cooling just enough with the with the overnight rains the afternoon thunderstorms that you've got this issue and uh and 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 that that process of you know the plant uh emitting those things is allelepathy and that's why you will hear us say that for guys that overseed uh warm season grass with perennial ryegrass do yourself a favor, save yourself the headache and heartache, and as early as as is feasible, go ahead and spray it out and be done with it. And so that way it will save you so much pain and heartache as you do transition into green up. So not only, so you, you, um, you did overseed with ryegrass this year because all right so you were you were going to fallow your your current bermuda grass what did you have currently i had i had had some sort of common variety that was here that i managed to bring back when i purchased the house Mm -hmm. um that was you know i got it the year before it, it looked you know fantastic this year um you know experimenting with pgrs and stuff like that that really got it looking you know great you know to where the program that i had it on to where i was like well this is it you know i'm over here comparing it to things like hybrid cultivars and stuff like that and i'm just like it's just not gonna look like that as much as i try as much as inputs that i decided you know throw money at it or whatever it wasn't gonna get there so i decided then to kill that and then i started the following process which was uh jping i shared some pictures of like kill off and stuff um I, I remember coming home one day from uh, mowing somebody's yard and I was just like, man, it's time. It's time to do this. It's time for me just to just start this, you know, baffle, you know, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> so I went out, I, I uh, spread out a pound of NPK and I started watering for like, I think two weeks. And then it got really, really shaggy. I just let it kind of grow out. And then I went out with uh, the famous soul stealer that you hear about that Ray has, um, so yeah, this right here is actually 
probably the last one of the last few mows where I was um taking care of the Bermuda. This is uh yeah, sometime in July. Um there's one before that on July 2nd that was actually on my on my um daughter's uh right here. Yeah, I think this really captures how how nice it looked in the peak of the of the season. July 2nd, this was my daughter's birthday. We were having a um uh, a birthday uh, parade, drive drive by parade kind of thing. You know, COVID was still mm-hmm, going on, mm-hmm. and uh, so I thought a little flex was, you know, in a proper for the <laughs> occasion. You know, went out there with a little extra feature, you know, extra triple <laughs> cut mo kind of thing. So I just wanted it to look nice. This is about as good as it was going to get, and quickly realized that. So um, after that was um, again, I put out that pound of MPK started watering and let that just kind of grow, grow, grow. I think it got to like maybe three inches where it was at. And then uh, I went out with the, with the soul sealer that I mentioned and um, started with round one of that. And then I was taking pictures as the days gone by and it started yellowing, yellowing, more yellowing um, to the point where it was like, okay, well, it's time to scalp it off and start, you know, digging it out. Here's, an, here's one picture. This was like maybe a couple of days after and then it gets worse and worse and worse. Um, yeah, this is probably like a couple weeks into it. That's like three weeks of uh spraying Bermuda. Uh, Ray, it did the job. Some parts are a little slower. Go ahead. Looks great. Ray, can can you remind everybody what is Soul Sealer? Because some people will say Comer Bermuda is not capable of dying, and uh, but there there is a way. There is a way. So what? Uh, so what I had Aldo do is I had Aldo apply glyphosate. Triclopyr, Tenacity, and Fusilade all together. Oh, I believe God. I also told you to uh, throw in some AMS. AMS in the in the tank. And I told him, do that to that Bermuda to be terminated after he had it well watered and well fertilized. And the purpose for that is when the Bermuda is well watered and well fertilized, it's most likely to translocate those herbicides deep into the rhizomes versus only the tops of the Bermuda dying and that Bermuda becoming some kind of a zombie grass that you can't get rid of. That was my concern for Aldo is that he's trying to convert over to another type of Bermuda or another variety of Bermuda and this old uh, unnamed variety is still hanging on. I mean, that was my, my worry for him. So, hence the soul stealer and then the fallow with ryegrass during the winter where he had another herbicide program going on during the winter to disadvantage the Bermuda. So, so after all this, this... Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <clears throat> okay, so after I had um, gone out with three... Uh, I went with two rounds of that soul stealer uh, and then I kind of just scalped it off and I put down more nitrogen, uh, just to try to get anything to come back. I mean, mind you, this is still, uh, September, right. You know, the time of day. So I, yeah, I scalped it all off or at least as low as the, the cow trimmer would let me go. It's about three eighths. Um, and then I went out to, uh, you know, put more nitrogen down, more watering. I stayed, I stayed on top of the watering. Um, and, it, and good, exactly what I wanted to happen. Bermuda came back. Um, a fair amount, kind of like in just little sprigs here and there. So obviously we knew that it was going to, this is actually during the ryegrass that uh, it happened to start coming back. This was in uh, in like December and I was still having Bermuda 
creeping wow. back up, even though it was it was that warm, to where um, I had to kind of get on a different program to kill that while I had uh, active um, perennial ryegrass going. So while while I was out following and I scalped all that Bermuda off, um, it was that uh, yeah, it's nitrogen and watering, and then that's when I took the opportunity of of doing a, a pH adjustment, right? Um, doing an input to where I can kind of try to, I mean, I, it's not often you get bare ground that you can just kind of go ham and go extra with something like sulfur or citric acid or, um, you know, a, any kind of pH input that you can go on there. So my crazy ass went out there with just under 50 <laughs> pounds per thousand of sulfur while it was in this state. And uh, 50 pounds per thousand, 50 pounds per thousand. It was like 47 point something. Yeah, this is just loading up the hopper wide open. And I sent it, dude. I said, let's go. I'm about to water. I'm about to water for quite some time. And guys, it's so crazy how how much water it took just to break down that sulfur. And mind you, my climate's in, in the triple digits, right? So you would think that perhaps some of the sulfur would break down a little bit easier where I am. But even with the amount of water I was putting down, I'd say at least 10, 15 inches of water. And I could still see it there kind of just wow. sitting. Wow. Yeah, man. <laughs> it, it was it was pretty wild. Um, during that time, I um, I went out twice. Uh, actually, three different times with the uh, with, uh, uh, liquid. I went out with 10 pounds, uh, 10 pounds of citric acid per thousand um, one time. And then... After that, I went out twice yeah. with 11 ounces per thousand of uh, Fixor, on supply company Fixor. Um, I took advantage of the time. There's nothing growing, so I might as well put something down. I got nothing to burn, you know, right? I got nothing <laughs> going on anyways. I went out there, and, you know, I laid it out, slammed it, and water, 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 water. And eventually, I couldn't see much of these pearls, or at least they were pretty broken up um, by the time I think October came around. And then that's when I was like, all right, well, the time to put down ryegrass is approaching. So, um, uh, J-Pink, I send it to you under uh, equipment, but I rented a slit seeder. And uh, the purpose of that really was to, uh, actually, I was out to find um, they call it a power rake to kind of just uh, dig up anything that was remaining there to get it out. I didn't want anything, you know, as and I was trying to take out everything that I possibly could. Um, all they had at the Sunbelt where I went down in the next city over was this uh, slit seeder. And I asked Matt, it was funny, it was around the time you had come out with that uh, slit seeding video that you had done at, um, what's his name's house? It was uh, Eric's, yeah. Eric's, yeah, Eric's, yeah. yeah. So then um, I had asked, I was like, hey, so hey, I, I just rented one, you know, any tips? And you were just like, run that shit backwards. And that's exactly what I did. I kind of just dug up everything. I put that on the lowest setting. And that did a fucking fantastic <laughs> job. Look at it. Everything you see here is pretty much dirt. <clears throat> Listen, um, running a slit seater in reverse is is hard work. First off, uh, there's nothing pleasant about that experience. Uh, but boy, does it put some pretty lines Hell into the yeah. ground, and uh, it really, really tears shit up. You know, I mean, and I went what, you know direction. what I like to see. <laughs> you know what I like to see. I like to see those deep grooves cut in the ground. I mean, that's how I know. You did something, yeah? When I see those grooves, <laughs> that's what I know. Yeah, we're, we're, we mean back. business. We're not playing. We're not playing. <laughs> this, is, this is business. <laughs> so that did a really great job of, uh, of pulling out any dead material that was still there. 
um, and prepped a nice seed bed for the ryegrass. You know, that, that was, that was perfect. You know what I mean? After that, I put down the seed, I rolled it in and it was just watering time. It was just time to go. Um, the growing went fairly. Okay. So here I, I, I pulled up this image. I sent it to JPEG because this is such a great, um, you know, physical representation of what was happening. And the gap <laughs> definitely narrowed between fucking around and finding out right here. So in the process of actually, well, I'll, I'll get that later, but, um, the growing went well. Um, seed germinated fine. I mean, it's ryegrass. I mean, in a, in four days, I think I got it to start germinating. And um, everything went well. And then this was around the time when... Um, uh, oh, yeah, GIE. Uh, I went out to the to Louisville with you guys. And I kind of had my irrigation going, automatic timer, and stuff like that. I was like, it'll be fine. It'll, it, it'll, it'll do well. This is Until fun. I got back. I got home, and I was seeing some funny stuff going on uh, in some places. And more and more of it started to die as the weeks went by for many reasons. The main reason, and I've come to the conclusion based on asking you guys, and I think it was the sulfur. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what, what makes sense Damn. to me is that when I ran that slit seeder, okay, so here, check it out. I pulled up on some of the dead grass that was there and all that little stuff there is sulfur that, that hasn't broken down. So yeah. All those roots are touching those little broken down sulfurs. And I'm pretty sure that just fried the plant. I mean, that, that's, that, that's what pretty much happened in a lot of these areas. And I think when I ran that slit seeder, um, that kind of resurfaced some of the sulfur that had already broken down to the soil to where it's kind of laying up on top of the seed bed. And, you know, as soon as those roots hit it, it kind of just checked out. And that was some major faffo for sure. And um, mm -hmm. had a lot of plant death. And uh, it's funny. Um, so when I went out, um, again, when I was putting out sulfur, I just had it wide open. And I did a trim pass. And with a lot of these spreaders, you know, you have that, that deflector on the side or the edge guard on, on some of the Scots ones. Um, I have a Brindley. And just because you, you put the deflector on on one side doesn't mean that it cuts off what you're spreading there, all that material. Oh, that's you don't have a third hole closed. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta close the third hole, man. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. That, that was, again, baffle, bro. Baffle. I found Dude. out. Ooh. Your boy found out. Your boy found out. You listen, <laughs> you skip, listen, you skip, you skip the chilies two for 25 and closing the whole third hole day, an eighth grade health class. Big oh. I, I went to Dollar Marguerite tonight and found out. That's what happened. See, yeah. <laughs> so, so all around the edge, um, when I did my trim pass, is just this uh, perfect, yeah. you know, trim pass of just plant death all over the yard, and obviously that's Whoa. where the heaviest concentration of sulfur that I put down was. You could see I, I pretty much top dressed that trim pass. You see that right there, yeah, all yeah. around the edge. Yeah, oh, it's wow. it beautiful. That's where everything died. <laughs> That's where everything died, and the rest of it kind of hung in there, and it looked fine, right? Um, it was to the point where, like, man, I don't want to have to. I, I don't want to fix this. I kind of live with it. I'm gonna kill it off soon, anyways. So I just, I just said screw it, and I lived with it for a couple months. Sure, um, but that was me definitely finding out about ryegrass and, and sulfur. I'll tell you that. 
Mm-hmm. That is so. I, listen, that is one of those feelings right there that you know when you do this uh, commercially and you're driving down the road and you know, like you know, you did you did a you did a ryegrass seed job and you're like, oh man, I'm excited to come see it. It's going to look so nice. And you come down the street and you see it on the on the edge like that, and you're like, oh god, oh my god, what did I do? Damn, why did I do this? <laughs> it, true story. Um, I had. Uh, spent a day uh, spraying Celsius out of a tank, and uh, and actually this was this was back in the day when I was tank mixing uh, Celsius in a an herbicide that's no longer available on the market, but uh, going after Dallas grass, and uh, I had found that um, this was a pretty good uh, single application knockdown of things like Dallas grass and stuff, right? So. Anyway, I had been I had been spraying that and uh, came back at the end of the day and I had hardly anything in the tank. And when I say hardly anything, like less than a gallon, basically what it, you, I pulled that hundred gallon tank to absolutely empty. There's less than a gallon in it. And uh, and so I, I rinsed it into our sump and um, I don't I, I could have sworn I only rinsed it once and I could have sworn I recirculated my hose. And then I filled on top of it a tank of propiconazole because I was going to do a bunch of uh, fescue lawns the next day um, with, uh, 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 with, with, with brown patch and dollar spot and stuff. So I was just going to run propiconazole. And as I went out, I made all those applications and I started getting a phone call about a week or two later. And, uh, and it was the first three lawns I treated and the customer said, you know, it's a very interesting pattern where the grass is dying. And so I go out there and look and it is the trim passes in all the backyards and front yards that were dying on those, on those three yards. And I was like, Oh, and it just showed from the road, you know, and immediately I was, I I realized what it had. Well, I went back, I looked at my spray logs. I knew what had happened. And, uh, you know, I was gearing up for seed jobs after that, but you know, so I, I get it. I, I understand that. And, you know, you, you, sometimes you take a little risk like that and you, you, you figure out real quick what works and what doesn't. And in this particular yeah. instance, the third hole is uh, the most important when it comes to, to trimming out. Uh, let, let that lesson be learned, boys and girls, that third hole. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, you, you effed around, you found out and you, you, you've survived it through winter and uh, all right, now gear us up for, for what's taken place from then till now. So then, um, February, no, this was still March, mid-March, sometime mid-March, about a month ago. Um, I was like, okay, well, I mean, it's time to start transitioning here. Let me see if I have some sort of. Um, utilize killing off early. I, I contemplated whether keeping it longer or killing this ryegrass off early. Try to take advantage of that a little pethy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to keep it longer into like let's say April or May, um, see if it would potentially hold back any other um, Bermuda that maybe survived the mm-hmm. all these applications and um, the winter time. Um, uh, back to touching back on the ryegrass before I, I, I move on there. So I was still concerned over any breakthrough um, through the ryegrass. And I mean, you guys know exactly what happens to bare spots in the lawn. They get filled in with weeds. Something. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And in this case, it was the zombie Bermuda uh, that decided to poke its head out like in November and, and December. 
So um, I went out with monthly applications of uh, ethyphemusate and tricopyr ester. Ooh. And uh, th- that, that certainly seemed to do the job. Uh, I went out there every 28 days um, at, uh, at uh, spraying in high volume. I think uh, ethyphemusate label has like high volume application little chart there um and 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 that that's what that's what i went out with and it seemed to do the job um i didn't i I stopped seeing the emergence of bermuda and then that may have been because we got a lot colder like in january and stuff but whatever had emerged had died for sure i think that excuse me i think that only helped with uh i mean the trichopier helped with the broadleaves i had some broadleaf breakthrough during the ryegrass Mm -hmm. which expected right um that did the job on them was really I was really focused on the Bermuda, uh, and I think that really did the job on it as well. As of right now, I don't see any adult Bermuda. You can tell when it's a ceiling, obviously, when it's a ceiling, and then when you have some kind of greening mm-hmm. up. So it looks like right now the picture doesn't really do it justice. But um, I'm uh, I actually today is day 21 of this uh, the seed job that I did. Um, that's what it looks like right now. I got little seedlings in out everywhere, and it's and a matter you seeded Arden 15. No, no, uh, no, I didn't use a link for that one. Um, shout out to, uh, to Spin Martin um, over in the uh, Pro Turf Talks Discord. Um, he uh, was generous enough to send me a few pounds of Rio Bermuda. And uh, oh, that, yeah. that's, that's what I went okay. with. Uh, yeah, it's from, uh, from Mountain View Seed. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the reasons for that. Choice. Yeah, so again, one of the reasons for that was, um, I mean, I had, I mean, it. it you have a plan and you know how renovations never go as planned. So no. I was just like, I'm going to end up buying some kind of sod once it's time to come or I can just buy, you know, a couple pallets and sprig it, right? Run it through a wood, sure. a wood chipper and kind of just send it that way. Um, but, you know, as, you know, time goes by, you start realizing, oh, you know what? Maybe I should spend all that money on sod and, you know, I could go another route. And again, Spin had, uh, had some of the seed he was willing to offer me. So I was like, hey, I'll take it, you know? A, um, you know, it's a lot cheaper to seed than uh, than to sod something, of course. But I mean, that comes with its own challenges too. You know, it's seeded, sure. and you know, compared to hybrid or whatever, you can get into the nitty gritty of that. But decided to do the seed. I mean, this isn't my forever home. I don't plan on living here for the rest of my life. So once I do buy that home, I'm gonna pay up for something real nice. I assure you that. <laughs> No, th- this is exciting uh, with the with the Rio. I have I have no experience with Rio, but I have read a little bit about it, and uh, that's a it's an interesting choice, and I think it's going to do very well for you. And I'm I'm curious as it matures and we kind of progress from here, how your opinion of it will change, especially being uh, so experienced with with Comet, right? Um, and you'll you'll be able to notice those those nuanced differences really well and uh i'm I'm curious how how you like that moving forward so let's take a look at uh you you sent us a soil test for instance of uh what you were working with prior to and after uh the full send on um the elemental sulfur shay pink can we see the soil test here it is look at this Look at this. Here's a so, and shout out to shout out to Evie does it in the chat. He did this side by side for me um, from last year's <laughs> soil test compared to this year's. He's a numbers guy. That's what he tells me. <laughs> he, he, is, 
he's always he's always throwing up stock charts and stuff for us. EB takes care of us. He he definitely brings the adult adulting to uh look, it even lines up perfectly. I mean it's yeah. uh, I think he put he held a ruler down to make sure that these that these line oh, up. He pulled out a protractor and was like, I need to make sure this is correct. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean Well, but guys, go look at uh all those uh, soil pH between 2021 and 2022. Half a point on a logarithmic scale is uh, pretty damn wow. impressive. Take a look at the uh, the the sulfur parts million between 2021 and 2022 as well. Um, I have too. to say, <laughs> uh, I have never in my entire life seen a sulfur number that high, and uh, it's beautiful. Um, and I would say that that directly accounts for what we see in the soil pH. And in fact, in fact, I would say with that much sulfur available uh, uh, currently, we would continue to see a rather steep decline on your soil pH because that brought you down. You still have 552 parts per million of, of sulfur left. Um, and you are at uh, a 6.9 right now as that continues to mineralize and become sulfuric acid. Um, because that's not all necessarily sulfate at this point. Um, then I, I don't know where, where do you think this would bottom out? Because theoretically from this point down, uh, it would require less sulfur to pull your pH down. Am I correct on that, Ray? Am I thinking right here on my ba ass backwards? On no, you, you're, you're correct. Because remember what I always say about how elemental sulfur is not useful on its own when somebody has a soil pH over seven because there is there's too many free carbonates and the second that that elemental sulfur breaks down into sulfuric acid it the carbonates just react with it and take it out of the equation but what's happening here is that ph is at a point where that's no longer an issue and i want everybody also to take Take note of another number that Aldo and I have been watching, and that is his sodium levels. Mm -hmm. I almost cut that okay. by half. That's that's by insane. Half. Yeah. By yeah. Half. Ray, I mean, uh, Matt. I remember. I remember my last uh, the my the first time I was here on the show. Um, mm -hmm. Your exact words were like, "You have sodic soil, and it sucks." And I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and, and I think now, like, it's a lot better. Than two hundred and three parts, two hundred five parts per million of sodium. Yeah, I mean that that is uh, because even Aldo was asking me, okay, what are we going to do with all of this sodium in the soil? And my first answer to him was, what we're going to do is drive down your pH because high pH doesn't help you when you have a sodic soil at all, because what you need is and you make note of how much available calcium he now has. Because instead of that calcium being calcium carbonate, it is soluble calcium that can then remove some of the excess cations, such as excessive magnesium and excessive sodium. That's actually and, and what's so happening in the soil. <laughs> And we can talk about that chemical reaction real quick. So applying the elemental sulfur as it becomes sulfuric acid, the calcium carbonate in the soil, when you have a soil pH of 7.4, you can guarantee you've got 
ample calcium carbonate, magnesium carbonate, probably sodium carbonate as well. Mm-hmm. It reacts, carbonates react with sulfuric acid. You're going to give off CO2 and then you'll typically get a sulfate in response. So you'll get magnesium sulfate, you'll get calcium sulfate, and you'll get sodium sulfate. Sodium sulfate is very soluble. You can leach out. Uh, 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 gypsum, calcium sulfate is now soluble. You can begin to leach that out. Um, uh, magnesium sulfate, very soluble. You can begin to leach that out. And what's interesting too is that with you having that high of a magnesium value and now you having available magnesium sulfate, I would say your color response to, uh, to for, or fertility, especially this year, is going to be a bit more extreme than you're accustomed to. Um, just because of I that definitely noticed that you, with the ryegrass. Did you really? Yeah, 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 definitely. So I went out with, uh, I think, just label rate of feature and, and that green just popped. Like I would have never mm-hmm. seen it that fast or that uh, dramatic uh, with Bermuda before I was doing that pH adjustment for sure. Mm-hmm. And and I I think in, until you exhaust that that supply, which is, is going to take an extremely long time. I don't want to make it sound like <laughs> you know by June of this year it's all going to be gone. That is not the case. Uh, you know for for a long time now, uh, you're you're going to continue to get that. But but think about you know how much uh, 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 soluble iron that you're going to have soluble manganese, soluble zinc, and you, you, you've already got great levels there, right? So, um, I would expect that, that any, any fertility you apply this year, you're going to get an incredible, uh, uh, color response, just so much more than what you're accustomed to. Now, as far as how far your pH ends up falling, I'm, I'm going to throw, like if we, if we did this in June, July, um, I'm going to throw a dart at the dartboard. I have no idea. I can't scientifically tell you what it, where it was going to end up, but if I had to guess, I think I think we're all betting men here in some form or fashion. I'm going to bet that it would fall all the way to a six point four. Where what do y'all think? Uh, I'm kind of thinking six point four, six point five uh, around there, and for me, lower. lower. Ah! You're th- you're th- I almost what, said what, lower. I almost said six at first. That was my initial thought. Really, really, Ryan? You think uh, that that fifty pound sulfur bomb is going to drop him all the way down to six, even? Yeah, take me all the way down to that Southwest chicken salad. I want to eat that. (laughs) (laughs) Chomp. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I'll take the dressing on the side, though, please. Okay, there's one more thing that I'm noticing. Save it for the okay. You know, with his lowered pH, I noticed that there is no, not that much differential between the phosphorus count on his Olsen versus his Malik 3. I mean, that gap is uh, lowering quite a bit. I mean, that gap is like narrowing up, whereas previously, uh, I was telling Aldo that, yeah, you tested your phosphorus with an M3, and in real life, you only have about 40-something parts per million of phosphorus, and that is not a good time if you're trying to grow high-quality Bermuda. Your Bermuda is going to real always be, is always going to be fussing and unhappy with you and dissatisfied. So, if you can get this year 
he has 85 on the Olsen and 113 tested on the Milik 3. That tells me that at this point, you could almost even back off on applying a lot of phosphorus. You can almost you can almost slow down on that and not have to push that so hard. You don't need to you know hammer it with one 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 anymore, you know, to just to keep it alive. I mean, you're almost where <clears throat> giving it some nitrogen as needed is probably gonna be your program. And of course, go ahead and spray feature or similar chelated micronutrients if you need it nice for a family event or whatever. I mean, this is good. I mean, I mean when I see soil like this, uh, this gives me hope. <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah, so at every input last year, um, whenever I went out with nitrogen, it was always with phosphorus. It was, uh, that I can think of, it was never a time where I was just like, a, just an N app or just N and K. Um, it was always had some P in there, regardless of what I was putting out, whether it be soluble or even I was still doing some granular um, for a little while. And I quickly backed off of that because it was just, I was realizing for me to get down such a small amount of nitrogen, there's no way I could do it granularly. I had to go liquid. And that's when I started really dialing in you know, the rates of P and K. So, and another, mean, thing, another thing, too, was I, I asked for an Olsen. Um, so, so when I, I sent the test out to uh, Spectrum, um, I had asked for an Olsen just to get a more accurate reading on where I've, I've come from. And, you know, essentially I'm, I've doubled my parts per million of phosphorus. You know, the year before on the Malik, it showed an 80, which really should have been like a 40, 45-ish, you know, area. And then so now with the Olsen, it shows 85. Um, that's definitely sufficient. Um, I think, you know, but... With per my conversations with Ray in the past, with real low Bermuda, you kind of want to target 100 just to be on the safe side. This is, I don't know how he came to that conclusion, but I know I trust Ray with that. Um, so I could really mm -hmm. do without. I, I could I could apply no P this year, and I think I'd be fine. I know I'd be fine. <laughs> um, but I have plenty of 111 still. I think I'll go out with a couple out, especially for the growing. You know what I mean? I have Bermuda seedlings at the moment, so I would definitely want to give it some P at least to where it's at the root zone or at the top surface where the roots are kind of hanging out. And, and, um, and let's, once it's kind of growing in, just go clear. out with an NK. When, you, when you're going out with P, you're not applying a pound of NP and K in a single application, right? You're doing a foliar application at a very low targeted rate. Uh, so I, I don't want people to think, well, I hear, I heard, I heard on Thirsty Thursday they were recommending a one 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 at ten pounds per thousand, and I did the same thing, and it killed you know whatever the case may happen. Right, to make it clear, this is a very low spoon feed rate uh, of a soluble one 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 that you know we're, we're we're talking about a tenth of a pound, uh, you know, no more than two tenths of a pound in a, in a single application here. Very low targeted rate. I'll make it extra clear. So when I went out to uh, to begin the kill off process of the Bermuda, yeah, it was a whole pound of N, P, and K, just for the purposes mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. grow out as much as I can. Anything that's in there that wants to germinate and grow, that's when I went out during the grow season. Um, it was definitely like no more than two tenths of a pound of N, P, and K. You typically one tenth every every time I go out with a feeding with like, you know. 
a uh, you know biofilament in the tank or something like that. It was always just one ten. Well, it's it's very clear and it's it's interesting to see uh, the kind of the kind of impacts you get out of uh, out of applying that much sulfur at one time, which is uh, which is pretty intense. And uh, actually, I see your comment here, Jameson Smith. that says, "What if you have super high pH irrigation water? There's probably no point in finding the pH negative um, because here in this particular instance, uh, Aldo has very high pH water." And uh, and 8.3. Uh, I'm not going to give away where he lives, but exactly, it's an eight point three. So uh, effectively what he's done that, uh, you know, over the course of a couple of years of, of beginning to, to, to work on this now, we're down to a 6.9, which is we're taking bets here on exactly how far that's going to fall, uh, you know, could fall as far as six. Uh, it could far, uh, fall as far as the taint. We don't know, uh, but there's, there's potential there for it to end up either way. And uh, so in, in I, I would say, uh, negative to that, it is it is definitely worth tackling, um, and you don't necessarily have to have a, you know a, a dosatron where you know you're injecting in it. Does that make your life easier? Hell yeah, absolutely does. It's going to speed things up. But there is a method to the madness, and it's consistency, and it's appropriate timing, and it's appropriate rates. Um, and if you do those types of things, and and you know, so it's not a one product approach where you're going to apply five pounds per thousand of sulfur and call it good. Um, you're going to have a program and a strategy in place that you're executing uh, with, uh, with, with, with good detail to get that accomplished. And uh, so in my opinion, there is definitely a point in fighting the pH uh, because again, you know, the types of, of re response that you're going to get out of these types of things, like you're going to notice your fertility levels can drop because you're getting such an extreme color response from applying a tenth of a pound of N all of a sudden that you weren't accustomed to when you were applying two tenths of a pound of N before, because now all of a sudden uh, you're within a targeted pH range, which is going to allow for the solubility of these particular nutrients that weren't soluble before. So, um, yeah, there you go. We'll kind of, we'll kind of highlight that. Um, all right. So you're here. You've got baby grass up. Uh, your, your baby and the baby grass. Have you been able to cut yet? No. Oh no. I think I'm a ways away from, uh, like a good mow, uh, several weeks away. I don't know. I mean, depending on how mass it starts to grow. I mean, we're starting to, um, I think the last of the cold weather, <laughs> cold weather, um, it's past, <laughs> you know, I think our, uh, we already broke into triple digits uh, a couple times already, and our overnights are still in the 60s. So um, it's just a matter of you know, just waiting game, really. Um, I went out and fed it once already with uh, with uh, with some MP and K. Um, I'll go out again, um, maybe at a very low rate, uh, maybe another week or so. Once it starts to uh, really mature or starts to tell her. All right, I'm seeing at least a, a a more prominent haze in the lawn, and I can start hitting it with a with a little bit higher rate, like a tenth of one one one, like that. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. I I, I don't want to overdo it just because my growth potential is so high here. I don't. I, I think just that alone there is enough to kind of just get that going to where I don't have to really push it hard with nitrogen, unlike some people who put down like twelve pounds in a freaking seven seventy day period or something like that. That's been I don't know. Yeah. During a grow in, I get pretty aggressive. I'm not going to lie. Demay, you have done a lot of grow ins here recently. 
let's talk about how aggressive you get during a grow-in, especially given your narrow window of opportunity to get these things into shape before they go dormant. Because you've got to, compared to Aldo, your growing season is significantly shorter oh. than this. Is, yeah, is it, I mean, because because he's in Canada. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, yeah, I mean, Ryan's almost in Canada. <laughs> I mean, uh, seriously, like uh, Aldo Aldo's season is like a weekend in a cabin in the Catskills. Mine is like a quickie in the laundry room, like in between dinner and bedtime. Like way different, way different. Gotta make the best of it. Still the same result. Everybody's happy. I, I'm happy. Are you happy? Why are we not happy? Mm-hmm. But, See the uh, smile on my face. No, it's on, it's actually on the floor next to the whites in the in the basket there. Sorry, I, I aimed it there so it blend in. I'm gonna... huh? this... For... <coughs> hang on, hang on. What? You got choked. I broke. I broke you. That's <laughs> no, not the first time. Um, for, for, for those of you that are hearing this and you are wondering what the hell we're talking about. So we do a lot of, of, of streaming on various different things. And we, and we like to play this game where you never know where we're going to be. Right. So, um, in, 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 you know, starting before we come on live on YouTube, uh, on Thursdays, we're on Twitch. Right. And Ryan had some interesting, uh, uh, conversations for today, some thought provoking conversations about <laughs> how we would assign um, uh, a Chili's twenty five dollar uh, deal uh, to our ourselves, and I'm just going to leave it at that. And so, a lot of these callbacks <laughs> that you're hearing that you may not recognize as callbacks are a, a direct result of the conversation we had on Twitch. And then, so you know, you for gotta, those of you that don't know, tune in. we also. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're live after this as well. We continue to go into uh, into the late nights, and, and we do that for members only. You can check it out, patreon.com forward slash burn and return. Or like when we record uh, burn and return on Saturdays for our Patreon members, you know, we go live beforehand, and we have a lot of conversations there too. So you may hear this and you're wondering, like, where in the hell are these guys coming up with this shit? Well, it's part of our continuing uh, conversation that we have rolling pretty much all the time. Or if you're part of the discord, you can, uh, you can check out that as well because uh, boy, it gets, it gets kind of wild in there. I'm not going to lie. T dot is my, is, is like on the leaderboard of wild right now. And uh, my man, my man holding it down for the BBLs. Hashtag thick thighs save lives. And what was the other one? What what else did you add to that? Thick thighs, uh, Texas, Texas uh, cheese fries, cheese fries, save lives. And I, I cannot deny with it. I cannot deny that. I think you're. I think you're dead nuts on. Um. All right. We've talked about grass for an hour now. Um. Where are we going to go with this? Are we going to cut up for the next hour? How we? How are we going to do this? Uh, no. What's on your? Um, oh wait, no. Damn it! I interrupted you, Demay. I interrupted you. You were going to talk to us about how you push Bermuda. Can't believe you. Uh, during your growing, I know that was shit on me. I'm so sorry. Oh, I seriously, I blanked on that too. I totally forgot that that was the question. Um, yeah, I mean, it depends, right? That's the, that's the consultant answer that you give is it depends. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say this is I've successfully grown in Bermuda in with five and a half pounds. I've successfully grown it in with up to 12 pounds. It just depends on the circumstances and what you got to get done 
uh, in the time frame that you have to get it done. So, you know, we had uh, uh, the one one of those that we did last year. We had exactly seventy days and did it late, June twenty sixth, springing. So, you know, basically a third of the the window is gone. So, yeah, that was uh, I'm gonna talk about full send bud. Hell yeah! Yeah, bud. Like, yeah, yeah bud. We're drinking was, hams uh, out there, bud. Doing it big. That was that was Larry the Enticer clearing the St. Lawrence Seaway. Do you know who? Do you know who Larry the Enticer is? No, Are you serious? All right, wait, wait a second. Where do you... I know who Larry the Enticer? is? Right, I'll Google it. You, you, I'll Google it. Guys, no, 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 no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull a video up while you guys are talking, so you understand. Oh, who I know is. Larry the Enticer. I know that. Yeah, yes, okay. I do know yeah, this guy that's, because that's a lie. this is my favorite Canadian. In fact, this is what got me going on the Canadian accent so hard. Was this guy because you shared a a gif of old Larry the Enticer? What? Here, and I, it Larry. sent me a gif, Jeff. and it sent me on a, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 I, I you know a, a a scour of the internet to figure out where this came from, and I found it. And my goodness, I want everything about this guy to be. I'm going to be friends with this guy. Like I think he's I think he's phenomenal, and I think he, he does went hard justice to. He did harden the pain on YouTube for a while, and then he stopped. I worry about what happened to him. I'm not sure what he's doing now, but he he, he would be a hard. great guest on the show. He would be. He would be a great guest. guest. We should we should reach out about just sending it. Yeah, I, I would just I would I would talk about that for an hour just to find out how you do it better. Um, so all right, hearing okay. hearing how Demay pushes things. Does that give you any second thoughts to how you may approach Do yours? I think I know better than to put down a pound of nitrogen on Bermuda where I live in July. Why? Yeah, why? Just because of the surge of growth. I mean, well, I, I mean, I have the PGR to kind of hold it back, but um, I don't know. This is a growing. Part of me this is growing. Totally different. I got to not be a bitch, right? That's what you're saying? <laughs> I think you got to do that, and I think uh, you need to become friends, really good friends, with uh, MFT or Depth Ten. That would be word. Not, not, yeah, you got some of that. You need you need that in your life. <laughs> yeah, we got. I, I got that covered. Um, I think I I think that you know so Bermuda seed in general is such a um. Uh, I, I'm going to say temperamental, but it's just slow, I think is more of the word I'm looking for there uh, is slow that um, you're, you're, you're basically paying to play by being aggressive with it. Right. Um, and I think it would work to your advantage as far as, as coverage and speed of establishment. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying you have to necessarily go crazy out there and, you know, applying a pound a week of, of urea. Um, but you know, I, I don't think you're going to hurt anything by getting down a pound per month of urea. Um, and in fact, I think that would get you up to speed quicker and, uh, and you may be a little bit, a little bit, a little bit happier with your growing process. Cause you know, I, I know you enjoy mowing. I don't, I hate mowing grass, uh, but it would get you to, to mowing a lot, a lot. Listen, I saw, I, I saw, I got eyes from Demay on that one and I got eyes from Aldo. Guys, y'all can suck it. I hate mowing grass. 
And anybody, anybody in the chat right now that is disappointed to hear that I don't like mowing grass, you can go F yourself. Um, I do not like mowing grass at all. Okay. The turf grass guy that hates mowing grass. I hate being accused of being a grass mower. Here, here's you here's what I think. Thing. So I, I think if I went out regularly enough, three, four, five days at a time, uh, with a tenth of a pound, I think I could potentially reach closer to a pound per month. Um, and I'm just weary of just putting it all down at one time. Although, well, then don't know. You I don't. Do that, matter. You don't, yeah, you don't have to do it all me, at one time. For me, ideal growing for Bermuda and similar grasses is until I see satisfactory soil coverage, it wouldn't bother me to do as much as two-tenths of a pound every seven days. Same, and that's like when I'm talking like high rates, I'm talking there's a ton of pre-plant out there and then kind of just going very regimented. We'll giving it nine. Five, seven days, quarter pound. Although. <clears throat> that's a little more aggressive, well, but. Although, let me ask you this. Uh, hey, we're not talking about the spite applications to those customers that didn't pay on time. Okay? <laughs> well, that was that was back in ammonium nitrate days where it wasn't such a, a, a an ATF crime to to keep it in, <laughs> in the warehouse. Damn you, <laughs> Tiffany McFay. Gosh, you know I know. I just here, I'm just here to blow, I'm just here I'm just here to blow up somebody's lawn, and somebody's got to go up to the federal building. You know? Gosh, <laughs> terrible joke. Well, terrible joke. The, the serious question is: is that did you put down any one 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 before or right at time of seeding? No. Okay. None. Okay. That no. Then that then that matters because, like my practice, you know, when I know there's like seeding or sprigging about to take place, that is when I normally spec a pound of N P and K respectively. To be soil incorporated prior to that seed or that sprig going down on that area. And the purpose of that is so that it's there when that seed germinates. And say somebody is lackadaisical about feeding it and feeding it, you know, lightly and often. That's insurance. That's insurance, although. But then. Ray is describing me to a t right there go ahead ray <laughs> but but the, but you know what matt i don't feel horrible because i get to yell at people when i see their bermuda or zoysia growings and all the foliage is turning purple see i don't have to deal with that i never you know, have to deal with that and, no, I, and i'm I, super fortunate to live in areas where you know one is very seldom I come across a, a pH incredibly high or a, a pH incredibly low. Uh, it's very seldom I come across low phosphorus levels. It's very seldom mm-hmm. I come across low anything other than than K. And you know, on the low end of that, I may be like, you know, 60, 70 parts per million. Nothing, nothing asinine or, or crazy there. So no, no, nothing, I, nothing. I, nuts, I, right? I, I do get very lackadaisical when it comes to to fertilization when I when I do seed jobs. A lot of times, a lot of times what I will end up doing is waiting until I have emergence and then I'll get a little aggressive with it. And I'll say this, that for for most people that I was brought up alongside in this industry, 
I was way more aggressive fertilizing seedlings than my peers were. And uh, I don't know why, but that was, that was the way I opted to do things. Uh, just because, well, let me, let me get real with you here. <laughs> After you tote around a damn slit seeder or whatever the case may be to, to get your, your seed to soil contact, I am tired as shit. And I do not feel like loading up another bag of fertilizer to go walk along. I'm just tired. And you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to flip on the irrigation system and I'm going to take a break, eat a large dinner, uh, do what I do at night and, uh, and forget about it for a few days because chances are I'm going to be really sore the next day and all that shit, you know? So yeah, I, I am that guy, right? What I'm understanding is I need to go out and spray tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's what I'm telling that's you, what I'm although because, but although you know what the you know what makes this less of an urgency or emergency, is the fact that you did what a lot of guys dealing with Bermuda didn't do, and that is get your soil pH and nutrients in an acceptable range because. You know what would happen, although, if you didn't have your soil pH at 6.9 and your phosphorus reading at 100 on the Melic 3 right now? Do you know what would be happening? I'd have a purple lawn. You'd have a purple lawn <laughs> and, and sickly stunted Bermuda. And I'd be asking you, uh, Aldo, what are you doing? Are you nuts? You know, I'd, I'd literally be asking you that. It's like, are you crazy? Because, by the way, when I see a lawn like that, I'm loading up the truck with soluble MAP to be added to my triple 20 soluble. Oh, wow. And, ev and everything's going to get sprayed at half pound NPNK from the 2020 and another half a pound of P from the MAP. Damn, son. Trident yeah, time. Trident, trident time. Seriously. <laughs> We're going high volume. <laughs> so, one reason why I didn't, uh, I guess, I'd worry about inputs, NPK inputs, was, uh, was my soil test. I mean, I was, I was, you know, sufficient in you know, P and K, I figured it's like, well, I don't, I shouldn't be in a rush to go out and put out more since I am okay. You're good. Or yeah. past or more than sufficient. And, you know, some of those well, areas. Yeah, good P. Um, so, you know, go grab your bag of urea and play, play nice. Have fun. You know, have fun. Have, have, bucks I have, okay. I've only gone out one. <laughs> I, I mentioned earlier, I've only gone out one time while this seed has been germinating. Um, I went out with, Oh, I went out with a GTMF. I think at six ounces per thousand. Uh, and that's God. all it's gotten after that seed has been put down. I can go out again with it. I don't know, eight ounces, ten ounces. Get 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 you get you a damn bag of urea and start <laughs> this party. Yeah, or 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 be like me in, with your soil, and uh, I would even be giving it the one pound actual of ammonium sulfate every week one pound actual right. not one pound of n I'm but still, one pound i'm still worried about how much <laughs> how much 
sulfur to sulfuric uh, conversion you're going to have take place just because you had your cool season, right? And uh, and <laughs> to put that into perspective, when you're talking about someone from southern Southern California, the cool season is unlike anything we know as cool season, especially in the transition zone. Uh, how many days below freezing do you experience in a year, Aldo? None. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's there. There's no. There's no. Every day is period. a gold there's bond. A slow day. period. <laughs> Demain, what was the last sub thirty two degree it's day? Sandals, you... bro. Look, look at that! Look at that! What, what did he say? What, what was the Every last day is short time you experienced sub thirty two weather? Last time we had, th- time we had sub thirty two weather. Uh huh. Like, I don't know. Four Today. days ago. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. We're just. I mean, just throwing that out there. I think I, we pro- I, we we actually had a. Oh man, it's funny because we had a really cold stretch of like two or three days where our overnights were like 30, 31. And then over Ooh. here, we're like, damn, it's going to be cold, man. Like, be careful. Um, that did a good job of like, uh, that, did a good job. <laughs> that did a good job of like really putting to sleep uh, any Bermuda that was in the area. Cause that really kind of like, that was like, okay, yeah, you, you can go to sleep now for sure. A lot of it was still hanging in there, but three days after that, everything just yellowed up real pretty good. Are you are you calling and checking on your neighbors when it's thirty degrees outside? Like, hey, are y'all, do, you, do you need anything? Can I are bring you, you okay? anything? Yeah, yeah. You got you mm-hmm. got you got plenty of bread and milk. Blankets. I'm worried you about got blankets. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we but, just use uh, the death shrouds for those in case. <laughs> but no, uh, but I got a really long thing of aluminum foil here, so I think we're all right. Uh, <laughs> just just check in right? on me in July and August. Make sure I haven't melted. Well, you know, I'm legitimately not too worried about that because here's here's Aldo, okay? He's out there early in the morning watering uh, and just kind of relaxing, okay? He's just, you know, watering everything down early in the morning, relaxing. So I don't think Aldo's going to melt because anybody with half a lick of sense basically stays out of the midday sun. 10 o'clock rolls around, start going inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until like sundown, and then you can kind of reemerge out your hole. Yeah, that's, that's I, I don't know. I'm I'm okay with, I know Matt won't agree with this, but. I'm okay, I'm okay with not with being buried in snow. snow. How about that? I, I think it's yin okay yang, with, dude. I'm okay with snow. I'm okay with snow. Like I'm okay with out. 115. Rather not, That's, I'm good. I would rather not walk out to a hairdryer. <laughs> no thanks. Actually, uh, you know what? Uh, my fear is not the, not so much the hairdryer. My my fear is suddenly finding out what a steamed dim sum feels like. Oh. <laughs> okay, that can be Hawaii. You find out what a st- <laughs> yeah, like a steam dim sum. Ray, ray the bow bun. Yeah, raise a raise a raise a bun. Yes, exactly. Raise raise a steamed bow bun, and so I have fears of that because it is April, and we have not dropped into sixty a sixty degree night almost ever. You know, ever since I got back from GIE, we have not gone below 
65. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned. That's toasty. I'm concerned. I'm not going to lie. That's toasty. Well, and, uh, you know, honest to God, uh, I'm wondering now, hmm, where can I fit in a redneck pool? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not yard. joking. Always the front yard. <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe but, the driveway. Uh, ah! <laughs> And Warn the neighbors, no, it, I'm going to be parking on the street for the next week because I'm installing a swimming pool. And then they see you out there sunbathing in a uh, in a kiddie pool with a 12-pack <laughs> of choice beverages. In Ray's case, it may be a 64 uh, of uh, of ice water out of his Yeti, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> no harm, no foul. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's just, uh, you know, what I what I kind of think of, and what's in Aldo's favor is he's got his soil, you know, in a good place. And I'm honestly envious as a man because he seldom deals with humidity. Okay, that is so. People talk about a dry heat, and I just made the joke. It's a dry heat. Is that a real thing? Come find out. <laughs> It is. It is. I don't know, man. I'm scared. I I can't. It I've is. never. I've never been. I've been to L.A. Right, and uh, and it was in June, and it was weird to me that it was like, you know, it was hot during the day. Don't get me wrong, it was hot, but at night it was like, this is in June. Cool. You had the yeah. yeah, it was cold. You know, the wind was coming in off the ocean and stuff. I was like, man, this yep. is bonkers. I was at uh, I was at the the at Venice Beach. You know, I was like, man, this Doing is good. like, yeah, it's cold. I'm chilly. I need a jacket. Like a hoodie would be nice right now. And I don't, I don't wear hoodies. I wear long sleeve shirts. So, you know, it was weird. Um, anyway, case in point, you know, that was as close to a dry heat as I've ever, I've ever felt. I've never been to like Las Vegas or uh, into the desert where you live and stuff like that. So I, I don't, I don't really know what that's like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. uh, I mean, I, I, there's no way to really explain it. I mean, okay. No, I can't. It's just a matter of like you just come and fill it out. It, okay, think of uh, so you know those swamp coolers, right? Where it kind of just takes that cold evaporating yeah, yeah, water yeah, yeah. and it kind of blows it. Those things smack where I live, and those really? aren't always the greatest. Th- th- those aren't always the greatest words in high humidity, right? Because you're not really getting cool. You're getting like moist air. Whereas over here, all that moisture that you're getting feels really good because it's so dry here and. Yeah, those and are just what, like... and what's happening, Aldo, is because your humidity is below thirty percent, right? So if you use an evaporative cooler, all that water is capable of adding some moisture to there, which is healthy for you, and also reducing the temperature. Whereas in a more humid environment. The only way for an evaporative or wet cooling system to work, and I've heard of this, is how's this one, Matt? The evaporative cooler can't be running plain water. It has to be running either magnesium chloride or calcium chloride, which will then remove additional moisture and humidity from the air as the air passes through. 
It has to use like a chilled calcium chloride brine. That's kind of wild. No, that's the only way for that type of a wet cooling system to work in a place like the South or Hawaii. Yeah, I was going to say they had them set up at uh, these quasi outdoor bars in uh, in Florida. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you sit next to the swamp cooler and you're like, I'm not getting cooler right now. That is for <laughs> certain. But I will drink two more Coronas. Go ahead and line them up. <laughs> is, that, is that not how y'all drink Coronas? Maybe. Two at a time and know. you growl like a like a gorilla yeah. when you do it. I mean, that's the only way, right? <laughs> That's the only way. <laughs> um, Guys, I, I had a I had I had a couple questions here before we started uh, wrap things please up. Ask. Um, soil test, um, based off the soil test that I have. Uh, one of them is phosphorus. So um, we had a quite a little uh, discussion in one of the Discord servers that we're in regarding uh, these testing methods on phosphorus. So typically, you'll see a reading on Malik. And then, you know, if you see another reading on Olsen, for example, this year I asked for an Olsen on top of, you know, my standard T3 from Spectrum. Um, now, I understand that an Olsen reading, uh, typically a sufficient level on an Olsen will not necessarily be in this, like, number category. Okay, to try to simplify is is that is the Olsen reading on here already converted to like a Malik parts per million kind of thing? Or is this like a, is that, does that make sense? I'm sorry if that, it's kind no, of. No, it's not. No, they're reporting it as Olsen. That's, that's how it should be done. So uh, 85 on the Olsen. My, my, my question is, so I understand that, you know, um, if we're talking like MLSN, um, Olsen will show as a lower number compared to a Malik as mm-hmm. far as sufficient levels of phosphorus. I don't know. I'm just mm-hmm. going to make a number up. Let's say on a Olsen, it'll, it'll be 20 and on a Malik, it'll be 40 right now on, on here. Um, you know, uh, and how can I put this? Is this converted it for me to read it as, uh as the this is this is the olsen equivalent of a malik or is this telling me hey this is 85 as an olsen this and is the olsen this is the olsen. way above this is the olsen yeah so they, hang on they tested it with an olsen extractant they didn't test it as a malik three and then mathematically back into your oh olsen wow line. yeah oh. you're you're fucking sky high you're good. I couldn't remember. I, you're super I couldn't good. Remember. Yeah, I that, that, that's what that's what I mean. Um, because on a on a Malik, you know, it, it, right here, you know, it shows one thirteen, but really, it's according to the Olson, eighty five, <clears throat> right? But am I am am I crazy to say, hey, like, you know, if somebody just got a soil test that was all Olson, it wasn't a Malik, is that still going to be an eighty five reading if I used? You know, yes. if I went out to a yes. lab that said, hey, this is just 85. And, you know, remember one more thing. When you run an Olsen on a soil that you've dropped the pH to the number or the degree that you have, I can then say that 85 
on an Olsen is more than sufficient levels of phosphorus. You you did well, although you honestly did very well, and you can literally stop pushing high phosphorus fertilizers now. You can stop because this is uh, basically two things are in your favor. You have adequate phosphorus. And you've got your soil pH down to a level where the plant is able to utilize phosphorus because it is no longer locking up with the excessive calcium in the soil. It's no longer oh, able to lock up. It's a terrible photo, but there you go. That's uh, from literally. So, yeah, this is what I Bible. was kind of leaning to. Um, mm-hmm. It'll show on an Thanks Olsen for- that, you know, sufficiency levels. The number will be lower mm-hmm. than on the Malik, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, because yeah. another thing too was like you know, in a high pH test when using a Malik extraction, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a uh, it's going to show higher. It's going to read that you have a higher level than you actually do because you have high pH and super high calcium and stuff like that. Um, if uh, if I was just to test with an Olsen, am I going to compare? Th- that's what I was asking about, like the conversion. Like, is, is Spectrum already converting it to read it as a Malik? Or should that number on an Olsen test really be lower than it actually is because the sufficiency levels are lower than No, they're reporting, they're reporting uh, it. Should, Sorry, uh, my understanding. No, no, no. So uh, here's what I can say is that any other soil test, and I've never done an Olsen through spectrum by themselves it's always been through brookside and brookside will report hey here's the bray one here's the olsen here's the malik three right like they will list those out this is just telling you hey we did phosphorus it's it's an olsen it's an olsen extractant here's your ppm right so they're they're giving it to you right so your 85 is again sky high at that so did they run a malik three they did not did they yeah, so on the left on potassium, it says M three, and then um, uh, one hundred and thirteen. Yeah, no, for phosphorus, for phosphorus, got it, got it, phosphorus. One thirteen on a Malik, and then eighty five on phosphorus. So here, look in the chat. Evie asks, so is raised target of one hundred parts per million on an M three phosphorus closer to fifty parts per million on an Olsen test? Yeah, and that's just due to the extractant, right? So, <clears throat> for instance. The the Malik 3 extractant is a much stronger acid, right? So right. it's going to do a better job of solubilizing more of the phosphorus that's there in the soil versus a weaker extractant like an Olsen oh. is uh, it's not going to be able to detect as much because it, it's not solubilizing near as much. It's relying more on what's already in solution or what can be easily broken into solution from whatever form it's currently in. So that's why it's reading lower than a Malik 3, uh, because it's just a weaker extractant in general. Um, so is, yeah, yeah. And did you, just say, did you just say weak boy? I did. I said, I said, and uh, a, a Malik 3 is a fake natty. Um, it's clearly juiced. Good God. And, uh, and that's, and that's just how it's, it's going to be. <laughs> but here's, Here's the reality of the situation. I don't care how juiced it is. Uh, you know, you can pick and choose which one you know you want to go with, and just you know understand you know what you're actually looking at by. 
in my opinion, in my approach, my approach is a little more conservative than Ray's in this regard because I've right. never really had to grow grass in extreme growing conditions, right? That um, I'm not going to take the time to differentiate between Olsen and, and Malik 3. You know, typically I'm just going to have a Malik 3 and I'm going to operate off that. And for, um, uh, how, how do I, how do I phrase this? The only time when I'm really going to, um, especially where you previously were at, um, in, in 80, like I doubt I would have applied any phosphorus at all to begin with. Um, again, just, you know, my approach to this, which is going to be a hell of a lot lazier because I've come from the world of, of, you know, volume lawn care, right? Not necessarily precision lawn care. Uh, so here's the other thing too, is that, you know, by, by applying multiple applications of a soluble phosphorus source, uh, you know, you're going to be driving up those I'm I'm talking in circles. I'm talking in circles. I'm beginning to confuse myself actually as I continue to go through this because I'm picking as up you up. apply a soluble phosphorus source, of course your your P levels are going to be detected on either test as as higher, right? So this is I think good. maybe where I was trying to go with this is that it's not always a one to one conversion, right? If you've been applying a bunch of soluble phosphorus, especially from you know something like MAP, which would be a, a little bit more protected, so to speak, and I'm using that term loosely here. Um, then, you know, where, where normally we'll say like, oh, you take 10 tests, you're, they're going to be off by 50%, right? You know, your, your, uh, your, your Olsen is going to be 50% of your Malik three versus if you've been, you know, feeding for the season with map and then you take it, well, all of a sudden it may only be a 20% difference between the two because the Olsen, um, is detecting more of that. The phosphorus has not has has not had time to break into those more complex precipitated compounds. If that makes sense, yes, I, that answers. Am my I smoking crack? One hundred percent. Yes, well, you well, are. You, but I get it. I do. You and Richard Pryor have free based cocaine. Damn right. Is my hair on fire? Is my hair on fire? Because it's hot in here. No, just your face. Just your face. Just my face. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. I can't find my eyebrows, guys. Someone I think that's that? the I think it's the chili and the chili cheese fries in your nipples, but that could be just me. <laughs> <laughs> that number was perfect two. on 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 that. I number thank two. You. The that's one thing I will and say, I think- and I don't know, I don't know if he or C is still in here, but I will say uh, I would ask because I'm kind of curious, and I'm probably going to do some digging. But you know, Doug Soldat's done great work on like the MLSN with ground ground testing, the low limit, right, the floor of phosphorus on bent grass on cool season in wisconsin i wonder if anybody is doing that on bermuda anywhere and i would curious. like to see the difference too between the establishment period and then what of established right so you know during a grow-in period is that something that you can operate on at you know we'll say you know, and i'm just throwing an arbitrary number out there we'll say 21 parts per million malik three mlsn level right if you're at 21 parts per million during establishment, what does that look like versus 21 parts per million once already established too? I'm I think, I think that's a, a pretty pertinent piece of information to operate off of as well. Uh, let me see if I can find this real quick because it has nothing to do with P. Here we go. Let's see if I can pull this up. There's nothing good on that. 
article, but there is this guy here. Let's see. I think we've talked about this before, right? And this is just mm-hmm. N, right? So N's going to drive uptake on P and everything like that. Let me send this here. So I mentioned this in the chat, and this is obviously vegetative, not seeded. And I asked Turf Truth in the chat if he or she is aware of any any studies that are very similar to this. So again, I know we've talked about this on here before, where they looked at uh, sprig rate relative to establishment up to, I think, a period of like eight weeks. And uh, same thing for rate of N. So this is nitrogen per acre per week, right? So you go all the way up from uh, zero to a quarter to a half to a full pound per week, right? And then we're looking here at the data table, one, two, three, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks across uh, the top there. And what you'll notice is you get the six weeks, zero pounds, 97% established, all the way down to a pound, and we're 100% established. And this is latitude 36, and they do this at multiple sites. I think they did this at uh, University of Arkansas in Fayetteville, uh, Kentucky in Lexington, and at least uh, Starkville, Mississippi State. I think they might have done it a couple other places, but don't quote me on that. But anyhow, I'm just curious of if you know it would have been interesting to see the P levels on this. I don't know if they pulled soil test. I I haven't pulled all the data on the paper, but that would be interesting to see. Oh wait, here we go. Uh, let's see. And not not only soil test, but also other cultivars it was, uh, so- aside from latitude. Oh, they did this at LSU as well. So they're saying here at LSU, uh, the soil test pre-plant was 44 parts per million. or It was 88 pounds per acre. I don't know if it's a 6-inch or 4-inch depth. but So, you know, just 88 pounds per acre phosphorus. Uh, Mississippi, for fun. just for fun. Shits and gigs. Holy shit balls. Uh, Mississippi State, they got 329 pounds per acre phosphorus. Oklahoma. Hey, somebody went hard on the Milo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Are you flexing? Oklahoma what? State, 144 pounds per acre. Oh well, boy! You know that you know that These chart are... that you 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 put up, uh, Ryan. Yes. You know what this tells me? Yes. Uh, at the end of the, you know, at the end of, uh, you know, coming up on five weeks. Yep. Uh, other than the zero pound nitrogen per acre per week, uh-huh. all of these, all of these, the 11 pound, the 22 and the 44. Yeah. These numbers are what they call little to no significant difference. Because ninety eight percent. So you know what this tells me? What's that? That point two pound of n per week seems to be the sweet spot as far as yeah. getting it to grow in, but not wasting nitrogen. Because by the way, do you know what a pound of n per week usually does? I don't know. Strange things. Ends up in waterways. Ends up in oh, groundwater. Try to leach out because you know that. What I always keep in mind is that under most circumstances, 
grass is capable of utilizing approximately a tenth of a pound of N per week. You know, about that much. And anything extra, you had better hope the soil retains so that it doesn't run off or leach. What is this? Uh, I was asking a fake account. Do the importance of P during establishment is mostly high value? Yeah, there. I, I wish I could find it. And it was Micah Woods who, I don't know if he retweeted it. This is like years ago. But it was a it was a study from the Netherlands where they looked at, uh, I think it was perennial ryegrass and Kentucky bluegrass mm-hmm. establishment mm-hmm. on P. And they looked at P rates you know, pre-plant versus, it it was very similar to this uh, sprig establishment study where they had different rates of P at establishment and then after establishment as well. And what they found was it looked very similar to the chart that we just saw um, Mm -hmm. where it's basically saying that, okay, hey, at at six weeks, right, it didn't didn't matter. It just didn't matter. So it doesn't, um, mm -hmm. like I said, I, I, Not to play devil's advocate too much here, but this is at six weeks. It didn't matter. But mm, no, never mind. Come on, say it. No, I mean, I mean, I think about it more from a a, a, a violate my sensibilities, right? Well, no, I'm saying a a pleasure standpoint. Is that what you just said? Yeah, yeah. Because I, you know, I know the the fucking weirdos in the in the chat that like to mow grass and stuff. You know, I mean, clearly here, if you've got eighty-one percent coverage at three weeks, and you're not you're not doing anything crazy here, you're talking about a pound of end per month, right? Right. Or he's talking shit about you. I thought you were going to make me run a Malik three on my my flashlight. I was getting worried there for a second. I (laughs) said pleasure. Oh, I got him! That was a good take right there. Man, that was <laughs> got a him. That was a got him. Got him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and Jeffrey says the problem is we have very little evidence during establishment. The reason is because it is very difficult to find naturally low pea soils on which one wants to grow turf. Mm, that's understandable. Um, and I, text you know, hey, silica sand. However, turf truth. Let's do it. Come on. Just for fun. Yeah. However, uh, here's uh, here's what has to be kind of you know resolved. Then, uh, what do you do? Because there's all this talk about cool season grass, but what about establishment and growing of warm season grass, where you might even have a more challenging growing because you're growing in from sprigs. I was going to say in the in the homeowner market too. You know, I mean, I yeah, I don't I don't yeah. want to put lawn care on the back burner here. Uh, you know, because it's yeah. uh, you know, that's that's my my area of of play playground, and you know the the fact of the matter is is that you know you deal with a lot of situations where you know you're going to be coming across low P and you want to grow grass there, right? And a lot of times, yeah. a lot more than just grass, you want to be growing there as well too. So um that's what i think we need to do we need to get we need to get turf truth and a research team hooked up in a brand new subdivision real world conditions and say in texas here you go and absolutely (laughs) (laughs) i mean in ohio hell i mean it's i'm just gonna say it's an it's it's absolute hand-to-hand combat when it comes down to that kind of stuff and those and those are real world conditions so and i understand the 
the complexities Georgia, of research in a situation like that. Georgia, too. I want to say, like, Cummins, Georgia. Uh, I got one here from um, uh, this is uh, I, I don't know. Hang on one second. Let me Google where this town is because I don't want to use the exact town. Um, Do it. Oh, my God. Where is this? Doxum. OK, so this is going to be in between Atlanta and Athens. This is a soil test that was sent to me and uh, it was performed. I know somebody who lives over UGA. there. G.A. And <laughs> yeah, and the the uh, in a Malik one extractant, there was three pounds per acre of phosphorus, three pounds wow. per acre. So we're talking about a pound and a half. I mean, we're talking about one and a half parts per million of, of phosphorus. And, you know, we're this is uh, zoysia grass that is that is being grown here and uh, wants to grow here. And you know, and, and I would love to see this in establishment, especially something as finicky as Zorgia can be. Let me. Uh, oh, I'm going to you know pose what? this question to the to the group because, again, understand you know the the nature of uh, and the roles of each of these macronutrients and what we're talking about here. However, I would ask of all of you and turf truth, regardless of soil chemistry or physical properties, right? Just take those two and, and, and lump them into one big category. What would be the one limiting factor, right, between soil physical and soil chemo- chemical properties that you would be most concerned with on a growing? Oh my gosh. And I'll ask Turf Truth the same thing. <laughs> okay. So you're saying, you know, is, what, fl- is, is, fl- the, is flagship, the, is flagship one word or two? Sorry. Um, yes. Yeah. So yes. you're saying the between what would be the one limiting factor? Soil chemistry and physical uh, yes. uh, aspects of the soil. Property. What is? Are you are you asking like what's number one concern yes. or yeah? yeah. What is the most? What is, I'm not quizzing. Okay. I'm just asking in in your opinion and in turf tree's mm-hmm. opinion, what is the most limiting factor that can ultimately affect the success or failure of that particular growing? In in my opinion, it would be. It would be water. How about how about does, does that does that does that count? Yeah, or is that I mean, an, an obvious one? No. <laughs> is that too obvious? Is that the, is that a cheap way out? Is that is that too that cheap? Is a, that, is, that is that is that is a two for twenty five way out. Yes. <laughs> All right, then uh, sunlight. Yeah. Uh, no, I would say I would say <laughs> nitrogen. Uh, because legitimately, I'm not kidding when I say this. I have i am too lazy after i seed a property or or whatever it is to to pull out and spread a bag of fertilizer and so 99% of the time i was just doing the seed work kicking on the irrigation coming back after things have germinated and then beginning fertility and the majority of the time i'm going out with whatever i have on my truck and oftentimes that's going to be you know like a something something real simple a 2010 right for instance and uh and it, here's the thing though the only time i would ever like go after something uh different would be if i get out there and the backyard is at four and a half inches and the front yard is at uh three quarters of an inch right and <laughs> is stunted and yellow and something is off and okay i I'll bust out the old triple 13 and uh and you know all of a sudden it catches up to the back and i'm i'm good but very seldom did that happen because again i'm not dealing with 
a lot of variability in soil test where I'm having to deal with low pH soils or whatever the case might be. But um, again, I would say I would say nitrogen at that point because 99% of the time that's in my experience has been my number one. Nitrogen is my answer, Ryan. Okay. My my answer would be a little different in that amount of sunlight. Well, yeah, for you. Because sure. yeah, because water's no big deal, uh nutrients are no big yeah. deal. And then next factor would be next to sunlight actual soil texture. That would be my next limiting factor. And that's kind of why I say, almost not jokingly, the actual remedy for a lot of the problems that I see in people's lawns involves a bulldozer. <laughs> when you say texture rate, would you mean something like, something like my soil will have really high magnesium? Something to wear. That's not that going that's, that's to relate to texture. Well, no, it's not going to relate to texture. Sam, it's so, not really a okay. texture uh, issue. In terms of like root development, like that, I don't know. Okay, what I'm, talk, into, what I'm talking about like is it's very possible for soil to not have excessive magnesium, not have excessive sodium, for example, but its actual soil, te- its actual texture resembles that of pottery clay. Okay? Pottery clay. And... And and that is when the answer to that doesn't come in a bottle or a bag. It comes in the form of a bulldozer. Scrape that lot off, get rid of that crap soil, and replace it with sand. Word. Okay. All right. So, listen. <laughs> we've got a couple other things to get to. We have uh, an overstuffed mailbag, which I think we're going to save until Sunday because... Sundays are always good for mailbags. I, I just feel better about doing it at the end of the week and really hoping out somebody's hopes and dreams for the coming week on a Sunday. It feels good. Be- before we jump into that, I want to give we Nathan do, we some do. time. I, I, I wanted to, to give away some, uh, some threads Yeah, yeah, here. yeah. you got some stuff to do uh, here, too. Chat. Um, I, I just, you know, second time here. Um, I've given away a bunch of stuff in the past, but I kind of want to... Um, Show some love to the people in the uh, in the in the chat here. So, um, I think uh, everybody that has chat in the anybody that's put something in the chat has already gotten a name into a giveaway generator wheel thing. Whoa! The wheel. I'm gonna give away one of these to the winner. Um, I got all sizes and a couple of these badass stickers that you guys have been seeing on the internet. <laughs> so um, if uh, if it's ready, we can send it. If we need a little bit of time, maybe. Uh, oh, if we're if we're ready. Can, Otherwise, uh, do you have any more questions? Question here. <laughs> oh, oh shit! Here we go. Oh, Chale- oh, oh, did we get? Wait, oh, we're gonna win? send it again. We're gonna send it again. That was a misclick. Oh, Chaley didn't. Oh, who's who's getting it? Who's getting it? Ah, are you serious? Are you kidding me? me. You got to be kidding me. So I would love to send you a t-shirt. If you have a PO box, you'd like to me to send this actually, if we remain anonymous, I would, I would be more than happy to send you 
It's actually uh, getting sent. To, it's actually getting sent to Elon Musk's house, and Turf Shoe's going to pick it up <laughs> when he's there or she's there hanging out this weekend. They're buying Twitter together. <laughs> Turf Truth Man, has said, I, I, I want to We're gonna you. go. We're gonna go buy Twitter. I'm tired of. <laughs> I'm tired of only harassing. <laughs> tell you what, followers. We're gonna tell you what. If Turf Truth, I love you. Uh, if Turf Truth is gonna respectfully decline uh, the T-shirt, let's roll it again. That we let's can, roll we it again. Give away another one. And see I'll if, pay. Uh, hey, listen, I'll pay for another, another T-shirt to go out. I'll pay for another T-shirt to go out. This one's actually gonna be a banana hammock though. For oh my gosh, are you kidding me? <laughs> Look, do you know, listen, this do you know how much that's going to cost to send? Do you know how much it's going to cost to send? I think this is rigged and it's biased towards turf. therapy already it, has a couple of these that I sent him, uh, care package to, to him out to Germany. Um, I happily send him another one. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> All right. Is this a sticker? Is this a sticker? Or a shirt? What do we got here? This is Turf Truth again? You Are you kidding me? You gotta be. Dude, uh, this is an right. omen. This is an omen. This has to You gotta be kidding me. First off, the algorithm loves Turf Truth loves in here tonight. By the way, one mistake. Here, here, right. okay. Turf Truth? We may, we may have a, a potential. Okay. All right. All right. Jake, oh, I got you. Jason. Yes! What's up, DM Jason? DM me in the Discord. I'll take care of you, buddy. Uh, hey, as far yo. as <laughs> the other guys. Uh, you guys can holler at me, so I'll take care of you somehow. Serve truth, holler at me. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, listen. Speaking, speaking of giveaways, now I'm going to tease this because we have our OG MFR on here, and in three weeks from tonight, three weeks from tonight, with one of our very best of friends, Paul Outlaw. We will be doing our 100th show together. 100 fucking shows. So we are going to have some shit to give away. Uh, it might be a bag of Humachar. It could be a hose end sprayer <laughs> full of the gate. Uh, <laughs> it's hard. It's re- it's really hard to tell. I'm going to try and give away as much shit can as I can. Can I give away a bag of biocharkin? <laughs> <laughs> Just, actually i think that I no think wait 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 this is no this is okay this is part and parcel okay i, I have a very important question for you okay yeah, the reason i'm asking this is because if you don't know and if you are a part of our uh our patreon uh matt is literally going to lift up there there are 70 plus <sighs> people that are going to lift up the fucking rock that he lives under and he's going to come out tomorrow night Friday night to watch a movie with us that is DVD. Oh, he will so not know until we start. It. It's going to be fun. He's going to ne- literally Matt is going to Netflix and chill with us tomorrow night. It's going to be great. But the reason I ask this is, have you seen the movie Christmas Vacation? You know the end. The majority of it. Did you see the end when they brought his boss wrapped up, ball yes. gagged with a bow? I would do that for Charlie. I would do that for you with Charlie, and I would give him away. <laughs> it's not. It's not necessary. It is not necessary. <laughs> but it would uh, be fun though, wouldn't because it? Because I, I would feel, I would feel guilty about it. Just kidding. I wouldn't feel guilty. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll just give away a bag of biocharkin and uh, have a have a have a good time because man, I'm better 
are spiteful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> With a smile on my face. You're terrible at lying. Brute. All right. Ed too brute. All right, listen, uh, listen. This is going to be one of the spiciest fucking after shows you'll ever see on this this thing. For sure. <laughs> like, without question. And we saved just a little tiny bit of extra time because Matt's got to get up early, so we're trying to get out of here a tad bit early so that Matt can partake in maybe just an extra video. Have, have plenty of time to fit them all in tonight. So, all right, listen. If you haven't, if you won't if you don't if you want to go check us out www.patreon.com forward slash burn return subscribe on there if you can that's the that's the preferred place if you want to you can jump into the youtube membership thing down below subscribe to us listen matt's going to tell you the same thing we're going to go to the after show there's adult talk there there's real men and women talking about uh bullshit that they see in uh youtube lawn care if you're part of the community we're sorry it's going to be real. So with that being said, ladies, gentlemen, friends, neighbors, we'll check you out on the flip side. Big booty squad.